0: Right when Taiwan needs it most, the U.S., Japan, and now Lithuania have come through with donations of vaccines.
1: Curious about Lithuania? Stash has that for you in today's show.
0: And Nally challenges us, her co-host, to declutter our homes. We'll show you how that went.
1: And in hashtag Taiwan, Leslie tells us how people in Taiwan overflowed with gratitude at the recent vaccine donations. This is Taiwan Insider.
0: Well, I am delighted to be able to share some good news at the top of our show for the first time in a long time. Although overall cases in Taiwan have been slightly up over the past couple of days, there is an overall downward trend across the nation. Also last weekend, a great gift from the United States, a whole plane full of Moderna vaccines for
2: Taiwan. Let's take a look. That's not luggage coming out of that airplane. Those are COVID vaccines. 2.5 2.5 million doses of the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine, to be exact, coming straight from the U.S. The shipment arrived on Sunday, and health authorities are hoping to start administering doses in seven days. On June 6, three visiting senators announced upon arrival that the U.S. intended to donate 750,000 doses of COVID-19 vaccines to Taiwan. However, 750,000 became 2.5 million, more than tripling the amount the senators promised. Health Minister Chen shih and the United States' representative to Taiwan, Brent Christensen, were both present when the vaccines touched down in Taiwan. Chen says that the U.S. has come through for Taiwan in its hour of need. Christensen says he was glad that the U.S. added 1.75 million doses to its initial pledge. He says that the donations are a sign of the United States' commitment to Taiwan. Here, the two are giving thumbs up in front of the shipment. Chen says that this latest vaccine shipment is more than enough to cover vaccinations for frontline medical workers and high-risk groups. He says that the health ministry will also make inoculations available to other groups further down the priority list. U.S. President Joe Biden has been showing
0: support for Taiwan in more ways than one. Last week, at a meeting of the world's most influential democracies, the G7, Biden rallied other world leaders to come together for the first time to highlight the importance of peace in the Taiwan Strait. This week, another strong show of support for Taiwan from the
2: United States. This time, more action than words. On June 21st, U.S. State Department spokesperson Ned Price said the U.S. will stand by Taiwan. Then, the very next day, the U.S. Navy Seventh Fleet's USS Curtis Wilbur transited through the Taiwan Strait. If you're keeping score, that's the sixth time a U.S. Navy vessel has passed through the waters between Taiwan and China since U.S. President Joe Biden took office. On February 4th, the U.S. sent the USS John McCain through the strait. The USS Curtis Wilbur passed through for the first time during Biden's presidency on February 24th. Then, on March 10th, the USS John Finn transited through the strait while the John McCain plowed through again on April 7th. The USS Curtis Wilbur sailed between China and Taiwan again on May 18th and June 22nd, making for the fifth and sixth U.S. naval transits through the strait under the Biden administration. Defense expert Zun Ji-wen says these voyages are more than just standard naval exercises. They're a message to China. He says the U.S. is clearly increasing its military presence around Taiwan. Zeng says U.S. naval transits through the Taiwan Strait occur regularly, about once a month. Furthermore, when three U.S. senators visited Taiwan earlier this month, they arrived on a military jet. Zeng says these are concrete actions taken to show the U.S.'s support for Taiwan. Zung adds it's no coincidence that these activities are taking place in the run-up to the Chinese Communist Party's centennial on July 1st.
1: The U.S. wasn't the only country that surprised Taiwan with vaccines this week. Lithuania also announced that they're going to be giving 20,000 doses of AstraZeneca to Taiwan, making it the first country from Europe to donate to Taiwan. Sash Butler has more.
3: After news of yet another donation of COVID-19 vaccines from overseas, Taiwanese people are understandably pleased. President Tsai Ing-wen took to Twitter to express her thanks to the European state. Taiwan's U.S. Representative Xiaobi Kim called Lithuania a small country with a big heart, while Foreign Minister Joseph Wu says that the country has captured the heart of every person in Taiwan. But how much do ordinary people know about Taiwan's Baltic benefactor? I set out map in hand to find out. The first guest lands in Estonia. Not bad, but not quite there. This man hadn't even heard the news about the donation, and he said he had no idea where the country was before guessing correctly. One woman even told me she'd visited Lithuania, so of course her sticker went in the right spot. So that was that. Three guesses, two correct. Not bad, Taiwan. Okay, a quick fact file. Lithuania is located here in northeastern Europe by the Baltic Sea. It has a population of just three million people, That's roughly as many people as live in Taipei City alone. Now, it's easy to look at Lithuania's donation of 20,000 vaccine doses and feel short-changed. After all, Japan gave Taiwan over a million doses and the United States gave two and a half million. But let's put those numbers in context. Lithuania is far smaller than those two countries, both in terms of population and economic clout. If you adjust for population size, Lithuania's donation actually comes out pretty much level with the US, although a bit behind Japan. Compare the numbers to government spending and Lithuania comes out middle of the pack. But then look at the overall size of the economy and there you have it. Lithuania's donation comes out top. Of course, this is only meant to be a light-hearted comparison and an excuse for me to brush up on my Excel skills. All three governments have reached out to Taiwan in its hour of need. And every extra dose brings Taiwan's people one step closer to safety.
1: These donations have come just at the right time when there's a shortage and during an outbreak. Now, during this recent outbreak, many of us have been at home because of a soft lockdown since mid-May. Now, recently I've gotten into decluttering and it's been so much fun that I challenged my co-hosts to join me as well. So Stash, how did your decluttering project go? Um, it was okay. I
4: mean, I think I'm a bit like Leslie. We spoke to Leslie and he said he's quite attached his he things. didn't want to
1: participate uh, at all.
4: <laughs> no, Leslie. <Ledzi, laughs> I mean, Leslie refused to take part. <laughs> it was okay. I mean, I it was definitely I def, it was definitely an, very tidy, and I'm glad I had the opportunity. It kind of you know gave me a kick to kind of go and just get to rid clean of your room, of
1: just
4: stuff. that yeah, essentially, just clean my room. Yeah. Um. I mean, it has shown me again that I do need a um you know bookshelf because uh, they are as you can see in these pictures just piled up on my. Yes. but they're, they're definitely um there's a lot less loose paper
1: so the before and after i don't see a major difference i mean did you just throw out two books or something <laughs> uh,
4: i mean i threw out like i said i threw out a lot of like uh chinese sort of exercise study books that i was clearly never going to need again i didn't lose the textbooks though and i think andrew <laughs> can sympathize with this they're really really useless uh, to everyone and you know including myself but but i'm keeping them anyway you know so one stash I can give you one better.
1: Very neat, but um, still got tons of stuff. Do you need all those books?
0: I have to tell you, uh, stash. When you were talking about your old Chinese books, that I can—that really resonates with me. I still have even the notebooks that I wrote in, like repeating characters oh, over my and over gosh. again, totally useless. <laughs> so I think if there's one thing I have trouble getting rid of, that's like books and like papers and things like that. It's neat, but it's definitely uh, still pretty cluttered.
1: So you guys, I don't think you really get the um, spirit of minimalism. Maybe I should have made it more clear. Try to get as rid many things that you don't need and unless it brings you joy or something. I'll show you what I did. Okay, so this is what my bathroom counter looks like before and after.
5: Mm -hmm. My kitty likes it now.
1: I think a basket and some flowers flowers makes a really big difference. And here's my kitchen counter before a bunch of stuff all over place. And then after I put everything away. Wow.
4: Where (laughs) did that all go?
0: I mean, there's quite a lot of heavy machinery
4: there.
1: Yeah. What I did was I put everything in the cupboards and I also threw out half the things in my cupboards.
0: And Natalie, I think that in order for this to be a true experiment, we need to see photos like 365 degrees to make sure you didn't just move the stuff.
1: <laughs> you don't trust my integrity.
0: <laughs> Nonsense. I never said that. <laughs> Natalie, I have to ask you. So how does your cat like this whole new arrangement he in your loves
1: place? loves it. I mean, ever since I cleared off that counter, he's been like lying around. It's this new... Playpen, basically. Uh,
4: I mean, it sounds like Felix. Felix is the biggest winner uh, of this whole operation. I think.
1: Oh, that's yeah, right. I, agree. I agree. He has a whole new place to hang out.
0: I think this whole soft lockdown has probably worked out best for you know Felix because he never went outside anyway. Now he's got people to play with. <laughs> now he's got a true. new environment, a decluttered home. That's
1: true. That was fun, but I don't think my co-host discovered the joy of getting rid of things you don't need. It's really refreshing. You might want to try it at home. Next up, Hashtag Taiwan.
2: It has been one heck of a month for Taiwan. The country is currently battling its worst COVID-19 outbreak so far. On top of that, there's a shortage of vaccines, which are seen as the only surefire remedy for this outbreak. Then in June, three countries came to Taiwan's aid, donating a combined 3.74 million doses of vaccines, with another 20,000 on the way. People went from hopeless to hopeful. It's been a real roller coaster of emotions. Today, we're going to be exploring gratitude, as in I'm going to show you how thankful people in Taiwan are for the countries giving us vaccines. In early June, Japan came through for Taiwan with 1.24 million vaccine doses at a time when Taiwan had less than a million. What's more is that they only announced the donation one day before the vaccines arrived. Personally, when I heard the news, I thought, well, this is too good to be true. Then the shipment arrived, I ate my words, and then Taiwan lit up with thanks for Japan. That night, Taiwan's Grand Hotel lit up with the words for gratitude in Japanese. Taipei 101 also displayed messages of friendship between Taiwan and Japan. Facebook users added frames to their profile pictures thanking Japan for the donation. People were giddy with gratitude, but probably none more than Foreign Minister Joseph Wu, who tweeted, As Foreign Minister, I shouldn't share personal feelings in public. But after yesterday's vaccine donation and the boiling emotions in Taiwan, WHAT THE HECK, I LOVE JAPAN, JW. And JW was right because at the time, emotions in Taiwan were kind of all over the place. After this, the United States was like, Well hey, we want to see our name up on the Grand Hotel in Taipei 101 too. Thus, two days after Japan's donation arrived, three senators arrived in Taiwan on a Boeing C-17. And I specifically specify the C-17 because that's not your run-of-the-mill passenger plane. The thing is like an Air Force oil tanker with wings. Upon arrival, the three senators announced that the U.S. was going to donate 750,000 doses of COVID-19 vaccines to Taiwan. Then, just one day before the vaccines arrived, U.S. officials went, Hey, Taiwan, what's better than 750,000 vaccines? What? 2.5 million vaccines. That's right. The U.S. more than tripled its original commitment at the last minute. The American Institute in Taiwan, or AIT for short, announced the bonus vaccines on their Facebook page. The vaccines arrived on June 20th. That night, the Grand Hotel lit up with A-Heart-T. That's a play on words because the Chinese word for love is pronounced I. So, you know, A-I-T, A-I-T, get it? Taipei 101 also lit up with love for America, and people started thanking both Japan and the U.S. with their social media profile pictures. So far, I've told you about 3.74 million donated vaccines when I promised you 3.74 million plus 20,000. Enter Lithuania. On Tuesday, Lithuania suddenly announced it would donate 20,000 doses of vaccines to Taiwan in September. Lithuania doesn't even have a representative office in Taiwan, though there are plans to set one up, so people in Taiwan were a little surprised when the Baltic country raised its hand to help. Surprised, but still very thankful. Both President Tsai Ing-wen and Joseph Wu tweeted their thanks to Lithuania, with Joseph Wu sounding much more reserved. A local Taiwanese snack company said it's sending Lithuania a shipping container full of cream puff snacks because, according to them, the Lithuanian Vice Minister of Foreign Affairs took a liking to the snack when he visited the factory in Taiwan. And to nobody's surprise, there's now a profile picture thanking all three countries. Each of these three donations have taken Taiwan by surprise. Japan with its timeliness, the U.S. with its timeliness and its quantity, and Lithuania with... Well, let's just say you don't expect such love from a country you don't really interact with. Still, if these surprises keep coming, eventually my profile picture is going to start looking like some kind of flag catalog.
1: Before we leave you, a look at some of the other stories on our radar.
6: Taiwan is extending a nationwide Level 3 COVID-19 alert for two more weeks to July 12th. The alert has been in place since mid-May, and it means that schools and gyms are closed, masks must be worn in public, and restaurants may only offer takeout. The number of new daily cases is down across Taiwan, but officials remain concerned about intercity community transmissions and a cluster outbreak at Taipei's main wholesale fruit market. Sun Moon Lake is recovering nicely from Taiwan's worst drought in decades. The bed of Taiwan's largest lake was visible in places, but the arrival of seasonal showers, called the Plum Rains in Taiwan, have seen water levels return to 97% of normal capacity. Is the government going to pay your electricity bill for June? The cabinet has passed a proposal that would make that possible. They're hoping to lighten the burden for average citizens, who are likely to face high electricity bills during the first month of a soft lockdown at home. Are you suffering from lockdown boredom? Taiwanese NGOs are offering dance classes, cooking classes, and more to keep kids and parents sane and senior citizens active as they stay at home and wait out the pandemic.
0: And finally today, our words of the week. Now earlier in our show, we were talking about decluttering. We're going to flip that on its head and ask our co-hosts here, if you could clutter your home with something, what would it be? We're going to start off with Natalie.
1: I would like to clutter my home with a hundred flavors of chocolate. That would be delicious.
0: Mm, That's a good one. Uh, Let's go on to Leslie now.
2: Guys, if I could clutter my house with anything right now, I'd clutter it with chewy cookies. I couldn't tell you why, but since the beginning of Level 3 Pandemic Alert, I have been craving chewy cookies and I just actually found out not too long ago that my favorite cookie store is now on a food delivery app. So. Probably not going to be far off in the future.
0: Mmm, chewy cookies. But a house full of them? I don't know about that. I thought of something that I could actually live with. Uh, plants? Maybe a hanging garden of Babylon in my apartment? <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us for Taiwan Insider. I'm Andrew Ryan.
1: I'm Natalie So. Taiwan is doing great. Have a great week.
2: And I'm Leslie Liao reminding you to breathe.
7: Hmm,
0: I am trying, Leslie, I promise. Well, be sure to connect with us on social media and do leave a comment below. We would love to hear from you. See you next week. The Sound of the Puyuma Tribe on Radio Taiwan International.
5: Dinner is served. Join Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu as they sample their way through Taiwan's culinary delights. On Feast Meets West, every Saturday, only on Radio Taiwan International. Radio for Refined palates.
6: What do you know about Taiwan? I know who the president is. What about their local music and food? Well, hmm, what do you suggest? Tune in to Radio Taiwan International. Here at RTI, we offer the authentic Taiwan experience. You hear the sound of remote attractions, the local food, music, the lives of real Taiwanese as they live it. Visit english.rti.org.tw. Listen to the real Taiwan.
8: Listen! Are you listening? (laughs) This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan.
0: Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of
2: sounds. This is Radio Taiwan International.
1: Did you hear Taiwan is sending over 400,000 mini cream puffs to Lithuania?
0: I think it's so adorable. And you know, the reason is because they're thanking Lithuania for donating 20,000 COVID-19 vaccines to Taiwan. So if you do the math, you calculate it out, that's like One in six people in Lithuania is going to get a Taiwanese cream puff of
1: thanks. (laughs) And I know one person who really loves those snacks. It's one of the lawmakers who suggested the donation.
0: Oh, really? A Lithuanian lawmaker has been eating Taiwanese cream puffs?
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting. This is actually, from Taiwan's perspective, this is, of course, a very sincere way of thanking the people of Lithuania, but it also shows how Taiwan is using its newfound lighter side to make friends in the world in the face of some major, even existential threats.
1: So the question we're asking in this edition of Taiwan today, can humor save Taiwan? I'm Natalie So.
0: And I'm Andrew Ryan. So Natalie, one of the funniest people I know is a guy called Lin Xin Ting. Now, recently he sent me this video of him playing with his daughter. Have a listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) So that's his daughter Joy that you can hear there. She's laughing at her dad's funny faces. Now, I know this is radio, so you you can't see the video, but it's cute, right?
1: It's so cute. I love kids' sounds, baby sounds.
0: Yes, and she's very good at them. But what's interesting is that, you know, we can't see this video because it's radio, but actually Shinting can't see it either. And that's because he's been completely blind for more than 20 years.
8: Wow. The way he's playing with our daughter is so different.
0: This is Ting's wife, Asalan.
8: One way he show his humor in front of her is by playing out. tricks on her. <laughs> like with facial expression, he will do lots of funny and terrible face toward her, so make her laugh. She always laugh like crazy. <laughs> Even though she doesn't understand why he did that to her, but I think she feels how he cares about her and the feeling, the emotion expressed from her father.
0: So eventually you can see in the video that actually Ting reaches out towards his wife and he realizes that she's filming him. (laughs)
5: <laughs> I
0: knew you were filming me on the sly, he says.
1: That is so sweet. <laughs> it is.
0: It is so funny. He can not always guess when she's filming him.
1: <laughs> um, I know you guys were co-hosts, right? So I mean, remember you telling me he, he's actually pretty humorous himself.
0: Yes, that's right. So we actually, as you mentioned, we hosted this TV show together. We drove around Taiwan searching for sounds and adventures. And he would always crack jokes when we were in the car together. Uh, And he would joke with people that we met along the way, you know, people that didn't know he was blind, like this guy.
2: Uh,
0: So this guy we met along the way in Penghu. Uh, he he actually thought we were a couple because Xin Ting had his hand on my shoulder and because I was helping him out. I was opening his door for him. Uh, but Xin Ting told him no, we aren't a couple. Instead, he said,
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 Wait, "Did you catch that?" I
1: did. You're <laughs> his seeing eye dog. That's hilarious. <laughs> good line.
0: It was a good line, and actually, he would use that line pretty regularly to describe That's you know funny. our special friendship. <laughs> yeah now at some point i realized that he was telling jokes to make people more comfortable with him being blind so you know some people avoid talking about their visual impairment but for xin ting he faces it head-on
8: like uh, once i was practicing driving and i asked him if he he's there to uh, sit next to me when i was driving and he said if you are willing to sit next to me when when I was driving there, I was <laughs> sitting next to you. Each time he points out the facts that he's blind, but uh, in a very humorous way. <laughs> I love that he can joke about his disability. That's wonderful.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people feel like it's like kind of something they don't really want to talk about or maybe they're embarrassed about. But for him, I mean, it's... it's he just a, throws it out there, right? He just tosses it out there. Yeah. <laughs> it always used to catch me by surprise, but now I, it's just part of who he is.
1: Has he always been that funny?
0: Well, he's always been that funny since I've known him, but I've only known him after he went completely blind. So I was curious to know whether he thought he was funnier now or before. (laughs) He says he thinks he's funnier now because he can't see. He has more time to sit with himself. Now, he always had a serious visual impairment ever since he was born, but when he went completely blind at the age of 19, he says his brain slowly started to become clear and more flexible. It was sort of like his brain knew what would make him happy.
5: And also,
8: he's uh, in some way not good at uh, expressing his feelings. Uh, so I think humor is something he used to to show the world who he is and also to not show in the world uh, how he feels. So I think he um, very smartly used humor to uh, interact with different people so people could get along with him easier. I think humor is something he played with and also he used as a tool to uh, to get along with others.
0: Yeah, I think that's so interesting that he uses it as a tool. I mean, he does it very naturally. I don't think he does it, you know, thinking about it as he's doing it, but it, it helps him.
1: Right, it really disarms people too, right? And, and charms people, I'm sure, yeah, right? very much
0: so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, clearly humor has played a huge role in Xingting's life and in helping him overcome his obstacles. But what if we take a step back and look at Taiwan as a whole? Is this a naturally funny place? Could humor play a role in helping the country find its way through its challenges?
0: And we know that Taiwan has a lot of challenges, right?
1: That's right.
0: Taiwan
3: is again denied observer status in the World Health Organization due to pressure from China. Taiwan
1: faces a COVID-19 vaccine shortage during its biggest outbreak. since.
2: A second power outage hit Taiwan this week due to a surge in electronic consumption. Not to
0: mention earthquakes and typhoons. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's start off with the question, is Taiwan a funny place? I mean, is humor one of the tools in Taiwan's toolbox?
1: Psychology professor Chen Xuezi of National Taiwan Normal University is Taiwan's local expert on humor. He did a survey of 22 countries on how humorous they were, and Taiwan placed below the global average at 15th.
0: In Chinese culture, he says, people don't put having a sense of humor as one of their top priorities. But Westerners think it's a very important quality. When they choose a spouse and a presidential candidate, they look to see if they have a good sense of humor.
1: But one of the writers of The Lonely Planet Guide to Taiwan, Joshua Samuel Brown thinks Taiwan is one of the funniest places in Asia. In fact, he recently decided to set his first novel, a comedy called Spinning Karma, right here in Taiwan.
9: People in Taiwan are very funny. Um, I, I, I mean, from a tourist point of view, it's like, oh, this is a town that has cats in it. That's the thing. Is you go there, and get coffee, and they have a lot of cats there. Or this is a church that is shaped like a glass slipper i've never seen that anywhere else but taiwan have you you have garbage trucks and recycling trucks that play music and to taiwan people's like oh this is normal this is just how it but you don't have that anywhere else our garbage trucks don't play music here i've never heard of any other country where the garbage trucks play music
0: some of those garbage trucks also talk you've heard those right they talk <laughs> yeah they have like little you know sometimes english lessons and things like that. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, we have a lot of really quirky things going on in Taiwan that we take for granted, right?
0: Yeah, and it hasn't always been like this. I mean, this is something you wouldn't have found in Taiwan 20, 30 years ago.
9: Taiwan has become more and more relaxed. I first went there in 1994, and so martial law had just ended. And I remember my father, my father dropped me off. He brought me to the airport, and uh, he said, Josh anybody asks you about Chiang Kai-shek, you just say, he's a very handsome man, and don't say anything else. Just say, he's a handsome man.
0: Little side note here, Chiang Kai-shek was a dictator who was revered in Taiwan for decades before it became a democratic country.
9: I have a story in my first book, uh, Vignettes of Taiwan, about meeting up with a very traditional, traditional, he was a Chinese man. He was definitely a mainlander who... Apparently he wanted me to marry his daughter, even though we had just met that day. We did not wind up getting married. In fact, that was our first and last date. It wasn't even a date. But the father was talking to me and he showed a picture of Chiang Kai-shek and he said, And The daughter, I didn't speak Chinese, said, my father wants to know what you think about General Chang. And I said, oh, he is a very handsome man. Father said, you're okay. You can come and see my daughter again. I did not see the daughter again because she scared This scared me. <laughs>
0: i think that's a hilarious story but i can imagine how he would have been nervous back then because it was a very different time in taiwan not like it is today
1: oh no people are very open about their criticism about political leaders that's right all the time
0: yes (laughs) and i think you know things have definitely loosened up a lot ever since taiwan began holding democratic presidential elections and uh, we moved into the new millennium
9: i think it was 2000 when is running for president
0: now, Avian is Chen Shui-bian. He would become the first opposition president in Taiwan.
9: He released a CD of him singing and rapping. Does anybody remember that?
4: <laughs> and this,
9: this is the man who is going to be the next president of Taiwan. He releases a CD of him singing and rapping. I wish I still had it. I lost my copy years ago. And I'm like oh my goodness, this, I can't imagine any politician in America ever doing this.
0: Now, I don't think that's actually Chen that we can hear rapping <laughs> there, but it definitely is his official campaign song.
1: Right, and it brought a fresh new spirit to the campaign trail, and I think it helped him win the election.
0: Yeah, that's what people say.
9: And 2000 to 2008, which I was in Taiwan for a lot of that time, You know, I I would come and I'd go and I would just watch as it became more and more relaxed and all of these old oppressive martial law era things just started falling by the wayside. And my feeling is that as this happened, the true soul of Taiwan, if you can say that there's such a thing, I don't know if such a thing exists, and now, it's, it's, yeah, Taiwan is amazingly relaxed, and I think that the comedy has come out of that.
0: I don't know if we could say that Taiwan is exactly the comedy center of Asia right now, although the comedy scene has definitely grown in recent years. When I first got here in 1996, there was no such thing as stand-up comedy. There was only a traditional form of comedy called xiangsheng or crosstalking. Which can, of course, be very funny, but it's not really part of modern pop culture. It relies a lot on double entendres and big punchlines. And on TV, the funniest thing was probably the variety shows. You've watched those, right?
5: Yeah.
1: They're so loud. How can you miss them?
0: (laughs) Do you think they're funny?
1: They're okay. I mean, that kind <laughs> of slapstick humor, you know?
0: Yeah, it's a lot of physical humor, a lot of live sound effects on a keyboard.
1: I thought Shang Tsung was kind of cute, though. I it mean, it's, it's actually very impressive. It's just an art, a mm-hmm. verbal art.
0: Yeah, that's been passed on for many years. Um, I think it's probably much more difficult than a lot of the, <laughs> the oh, comedy you see definitely. on <laughs> on variety shows. <laughs> So about 10 years ago, we started seeing people doing stand-up, and I think the most famous person, the most successful person in Chinese or English is probably this guy, Brian Seddon.
1: You can hear him taking stage at a comedy club in Taipei. He says he feels like he just got elected office.
0: And have a listen to what he says as soon as he gets on the stage. He says the enthusiastic response is almost at the same level as an American audience. In the past, they had to train the audience to respond like that because people would just sit there and and say, All right, clown, entertain me.
1: (laughs) So comedy has come a long way in Taiwan.
0: Yes, definitely, at least the comedy club version of of comedy. I think people know how to respond to it. Now, one thing that's interesting about Brian Zen is he does not shy away from politics. Last year, he did a parody of a pro-China music video sung by a Taiwanese woman called Fanny Leo. The song is called China. China. Now, in Brian Zen's version called Oh Taiwan, he dresses in drag, and instead of listing Taiwan among all the provinces of China like she did, he lists all the counties and cities in Taiwan. Now, it's interesting, people in Taiwan were so angry about that original video because they felt like the artist who sang it had thrown Taiwan under the bus, saying that it was part of China. But when Brian Zun did the parody, it diffused the situation and people were able to laugh.
1: I love that. I love how humor can just make everyone relax. Yeah,
0: absolutely. (laughs) And Professor Chen, the humor researcher, he says that this ability to diffuse the situation is why humor is so powerful. Rarely is there anything that can, in just a few seconds, change a person's mood from being very angry or depressed to being happy. There's nothing else that can do this. Only humor can.
1: And humor has been used on an even bigger scale in Taiwan. Remember last year when Taiwan was trying to participate in the WHO? And the WHO Director General Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus thought Taiwan was starting a racist campaign against him.
2: This attack came from Taiwan.
1: His words became a hashtag. This attack comes from Taiwan. But people used it to bombard the world with something much friendlier. <laughs>
7: yeah.
1: Photos of beaches, delicious food, smiling people. I mean, it was amazing how Taiwan flipped the tone of this nasty conflict around with this charming campaign. What was your favorite tweet, Andrew?
0: You know, I have to say, I love the food ones. I am a big fan of, you know, photos of food on the internet. This is what I look to when I'm feeling a little down. So like mango ice, you know, all, and the idea that you could use food as a weapon, I mean, without <laughs> throwing it at people, so good.
1: It's so disarming. Yes. And everyone loves food.
0: Everyone loves Around food. the world. Yes. You can't
1: argue with food.
0: So what about you, Natalie? Which was your favorite?
1: I like this tweet from a user called Gai Gai Z. She put up two pictures of President Tsai with her cats, and it said, We don't have a first lady or first gentleman in Taiwan. We have first cats. <laughs> of course, I'm a cat lover, so of course I love that one.
0: Yes, attack cats. I love that. <laughs> I mean, so basically it's people sharing Taiwan's soft power or the things that we're all proud of as a way of i mean it's not really attacking the world it's it's convincing the world it's
1: bombarding charming them
7: right yes
0: exactly the charm offensive (laughs) so it seems like a lot of the most popular hashtags in taiwan come about when there's a challenge from china like the hashtag freedom pineapple that came up when china suddenly banned imports of taiwanese pineapples People were obsessed with pineapples. I mean that's putting right. pineapple on pizza was no longer a divisive <laughs> topic.
1: <laughs> you should eat it every day. Yes. basically. I remember when you tweeted a GIF of Joey from friends who was like gazing lovingly at a pineapple saying this is all of Taiwan right now. I mean it really was. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah that's probably the only thing on Twitter that I've ever done that got like 1,300 likes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And Taiwan's representative to the United States, Shelby Kim, gave dried pineapples to Washington officials, including former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. And he tweeted a picture of himself wearing a hoodie, (laughs) holding the dried pineapple, and playing chess with the word checkmate. He was enjoying them.
0: You know, of all the characters that I imagined would wade into this story, I never thought that we would see Mike Pompeo in a hoodie. In a hoodie, never. (laughs) Playing
1: chess. (laughs) And I also reached out to Taiwan's representative to the U.S. to ask her about the pineapples and what role she thinks humor plays in Taiwan's diplomacy and soft power.
7: Well, I I think Taiwan is one of the most open, diverse, and innovative, creative societies in East Asia and um, our our people are really taking advantage of that open freedom of speech, that space for innovation and being creative about having our voice heard uh, in the international community and uh, having Taiwan's presence felt in a positive and constructive way. And we do want to utilize the many characteristics of our culture and our society uh, in the process of securing greater support, whether it involves food um, (laughs) culture uh, pineapples uh, music or sports we we do want to showcase the diversity the openness of our society and and the the many aspects of our culture and creativity as we express to the world our desire to be that force for good
0: you know it's interesting she's a very serious person but even, you know, Shelby Kim, the, the representative to the United States, she's also on board with the pineapples.
1: Oh, definitely. She was having fun, I think, and giving them away.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> now, the government is also using humor to talk with people right here in Taiwan. We spoke with Digital Minister Audrey Tang. She helped create a lot of the tech solutions to help Taiwan through the pandemic. Things like tools to track people in quarantine and platforms to help people buy face masks. But she told us that her favorite tasks
10: been the fun ones the fun part uh, is this idea called humor over rumor and this is not intuitive at all so I have to explain a little bit deeper Uh, the idea of uh, a infodemic that uh, happens around the same time as the pandemic uh, is now getting traction right people Mm. even in places where the pandemic is relatively contained still see a lot of infodemic online
0: She gives the example of the rumor that started the run on toilet paper, which we've seen all over the world.
1: That's right. It was crazy here and stores were running out of toilet paper like there's no tomorrow.
0: Apparently, someone had said that we were going to run out of toilet paper in Taiwan (laughs) because they were using the raw materials to make face masks instead of toilet
10: paper. This is, of course, is not true. Uh, we yeah. all know uh, that the tissue papers are uh, made out of South American uh, materials um, and that the uh, medical masks are from local PP materials, but it's not common knowledge. And so the conspiracy theory, which travels on outrage, uh, really went viral. Um, and the idea of humor over rumor is that two hours at most, after each trending rumor, we have to um, push out a social media campaign done by professional comedians uh, that are really funny <laughs> about the same topic. And so on this particular t- topic, uh, we p- pushed out a meme. Uh, the premier, Su Chang, um shows his backside, wiggling his bottom a little bit.
1: That was one of the most funny memes. <laughs> and it was hilarious that, you know, we discovered talking to her that there were actually comedians working for the government on this.
0: I had no idea that they were employing trained comedians i had no
1: idea no (laughs) wonder they're pretty good right (laughs) all
0: right so let's go back to this meme which has a cartoon of the premiere Zhen sang shaking his butt
10: Botox is a homonym to stockpiling, 囤, Uh uh-huh. in Mandarin, ah, right? Yeah. right? So it says that, uh, <laughs> So stockpiling doesn't help. Each of us only have one pair of Botox. And they say, <laughs> it's a wordplay. <laughs> and then with the table that says uh, it's a different materials and so on. And it went very viral. Yeah. And so people who have laughed about this, as you just did, is literally incapable of feeling outrage mm. about the same thing. And so it's a vaccination against the conspiracy theories. And we eventually found out the people who initially started this conspiracy theory, turns out they were uh, tissue paper resellers.
0: Sneaky, huh? It was actually started by tissue paper resellers.
1: Well, I'm not surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Not either.
0: (laughs) But great that we could use comedy to combat that, right?
1: That's right, very smart. Well, today, Taiwan is facing much more serious issues than a toilet paper run. Recently, we saw a daily record of 28 Chinese warplanes flying near Taiwan.
0: Also, we've seen the biggest COVID-19 outbreak since the pandemic began.
1: And we're struggling to get vaccines. There's a major vaccine shortage here in Taiwan. That's
0: right. So that leads to the question, can humor save Taiwan?
1: I don't know, but I think it makes us um, face things a lot happier and, and more relaxed <laughs> as we go on our journey, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It certainly lightens our load.
1: So what have Xingting and his wife been doing during the outbreak?
0: Well, both of them have been at home. Uh, Xingting runs a massage shop with other people who are visually impaired. So, of course, that shop has not been able to open. And his wife, she's a teacher, so she hasn't really been able to go to school. She's been trying to do that online. But you know, Ting, as usual, he puts a positive spin on everything. He says all of you sighted people are having a hard time because you can't go out and you're all locked up inside. But I'm always in the dark, so it's no different for me. I'm relaxed and I don't let it affect my spirit.
1: Another joke.
0: I know. <laughs> always. <laughs> in some ways, I think that facing his disability head-on has actually made him stronger. And like physically stronger as well. He's one of the fittest people I know.
1: Yeah, he looks pretty good too. I remember. (laughs) Yes. Buff guy.
0: Yes. None of us will take our shirts (laughs) off around him.
5: So he says, I don't want people to think
0: blind people are sad or pitiful or can't do anything, that life is dark. I want them to think we are positive. I'm not just positive, I'm also capable of getting a bird's eye view of myself from above. Maybe I can't see, but perhaps I'm happier than you are and more grateful for what I have. The fact that I'm blind is a reality, but
5: I face it, I deal with it.
8: When we talk about uh, the time he could still see uh, he says he uh, he worries a lot worries about his eyes worries about family and there are many worries in his life but after he has become totally blind totally dark in inside uh, I think worries are not that important anymore uh, I do think he's uh, way funnier than before
5: <laughs> life is
0: bitter and short he says but i think you just have to be happy every single day
1: you know he sounds as wise as confucius <laughs> <laughs> i
0: don't know about that uh, <laughs> i mean we have to be careful we can't say that xin has the answers to all of taiwan's problems but i i think there's something to be said about accepting kind of what's being served to you what your circumstances are you know what for us here in taiwan there are a lot of realities that we just live with
1: that's true the threat of a very big ferocious neighbor
0: (laughs) you know for one example yeah one
1: example so but we're trying to live happy lives Mm -hmm. even you know during this outbreak as well
0: yeah so the question can humor save taiwan
1: perhaps it can save us all Taiwan Today is hosted and produced by me, Natalie Sell.
0: And me, Andrew Ryan. This is a production of Radio Taiwan International. From a fruit market in Tel Aviv to a fish seller in Taipei, the people of our world are working hard to make a living. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International
5: Dinner is served Join Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu as they sample their way through Taiwan's culinary delights Andrew, I thought we said no more intestines That's on Feast Meets West, every Saturday, only on Radio Taiwan International, radio for refined palates.
0: Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan.